You're listening to the Seabreeze Church Podcast. God said to me, I'd like to send you on an adventure, a spiritual enterprise, journey to a place that you've never been. Upon arrival, your calling will crystallize. I've been training you, guiding you. I was intentional in choosing your wife. For this venture will not simply be an add-on, it will consume your life. It will be costly for you, your family, and current community. Some may question your plans. Others will see the opportunity. You will not be able to see the whole path ahead, really only one step at a time. By frequenting pits of discouragement, you're going to have to learn how to climb. He also said, your hands must become familiar with the weapon I give, a sharp sword, And the joy of joining my rescue team, that's going to be your reward. As you lead people away from claws and jaws and darkness from below, I'll begin the life change, and you will see these new creations grow. And along the way, I'll provide some resources and mentors because one of the lives needing significant change is yours. (laughs) So feeling totally inadequate... But with his spirit dwelling within, my wife and I took a breath and we said, let the adventure begin. (laughs) That is uh, not God's actual words to me. Uh, That was not how he called me, a poem. But that's just kind of been a little bit of the sense of the journey so far that we've had over the past two years. That's a little bit of what it's been like. Um, I feel accountable to God because he has called me to plant a church in Santa Clarita a large city in the northern part of L.A. County in the summer of 2020. And before we started Valley Lights, I got all of my training and my experience at OCC, Orange Crest Community Church. That's our sending church. It's in Riverside. It's part of our network that we're, that we're all a part of. And my training there lasted about 13 years, which was not too long. <laughs> I, I needed every year, every month of that training and the development and the refinement. Because when I first arrived at OCC, uh, Aaron and I, we were newlyweds, newly graduated from college, and I was not what you would call church planting material. (laughs) Um, One of the the times when we first joined, we're getting around the church, and Josh Del Rosa, the pastor, he was getting things started, and not a lot of people were there yet. And he wanted to develop a prayer team, and... I was one of the guys, and so he had, hey, would you help, would you actually help lead a prayer team so we could pray for the prayer requests that come in? And I said, I don't really feel like it. I was like, nah. I said no. I actually declined his request. As if, as if would that have been so hard, helping out with a prayer team? No, I, I just said no, and I didn't feel bad about it. <laughs> oh, and I'll tell you, I'd been a Christian for a long time, and a lot of my church involvement up to that point really revolved around the question, what's in it for me? You know, I just, in, in many ways, was a self-interested consumer. And, I, you know, I was, I was happy to help out occasionally when it wasn't too inconvenient. <laughs> and then I would help out. And so before, that, before we were ready for something really big, like starting a new church, God changed our lives. We needed some life change. 
And you might actually, as I'm going to actually look through 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and you may be able to identify yourself as you hear a little bit of my story. But I needed some life change personally. I did have the big life change of becoming a Christian earlier in life, but I still needed a lot of change. And so in chapter 5, we read some words from the Apostle Paul, who was very motivated by spiritual realities. And he says in verse 7, For we, we walk by faith, not by sight. In fact, we are confident, and we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. He's basically saying, it'd be, it'd be nice if we were just in heaven and we weren't here in this mess, but we're here. He says, therefore, whether we are at home or we're away, we make it our aim to be pleasing to him. That wasn't really a focus of mine to begin with, guiding my life by what was pleasing to God. Paul says, for we must all appear before the judgment of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So my concern for what pleases the Lord, that was something that needed to grow. And it did grow in two significant ways. First, I learned the heart attitudes. The heart attitudes are the seven core values of your church and the church I was trained at and now at Valley Lights. All the churches in our network share these New Testament commands that guide the way our churches operate. Really, the heart attitudes help us to have a biblical community that's really refreshing to be a part of and is capable of accomplishing a lot for the kingdom. Basically, the heart attitudes help me learn a new way of living, which really, to boil it down, was to like live according to how the Bible said. And that changed my life. I, it, it changed my approach to my marriage, first of all, my relationship to my wife, changed the way that we parent my decision-making processes, my, my own just communion with Jesus, my own walk with God, it, my friendships. Everything was changed because of learning how to do life God's way in a, in a deeper way than I knew before. And so I thought, when that began to happen, I thought, I would love more people to experience the life change that we are experiencing. This is so good. Like God, God has changed everything. Actually, the, my life, the, my kids' lives, the directory of our, our the direction of our lives has been changed. And I, I, I would love to have more people experience this. So that was the first thing. The second thing was, I got a vision to multiply churches. And being a part of OCC and Riverside, it grew in number over the years. But I, I realized if if more people would come to OCC, it would be like addition. So the numbers grow and there's people added to the church. But I, I learned and I realized that if OCC were to um, start a new church and then that church was growing in number, and then together we were also reproducing more churches and all of those churches were growing in number, now we have multiplication. This is not just addition, we're multiplying. And I, I was very inspired by that. I wanted to see that happen in Southern California. So... That would be, to have more people following the Lord, experiencing his ways, that would be very, that, that's what I want to be a part of. And so God actually used this uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 to be um, one of the things that called me to church planting, especially that first, we walk by faith, not by sight part. Because I had gotten this life change and this vision, I just, and I really wanted to be a part of something, but I just didn't know, is God calling me? I don't, I don't know. Turns out he was, but I was hanging out at the starting line. And I wasn't quite ready to get going yet because I wanted to wait until I could see how things would pan out before I took the first step. 
and God used this verse to call me. It was also to, to correct me that basically he's saying, you're, you're waiting until you can see the outcome. That is by definition, not living by faith. <laughs> you can't live by sight and by faith. He says, you're going to have to trust me and get started. And this is going to be a walk of faith. And so I, God called me that clarified that affirmed that through some others. And so I had this vision to see more lives get changed. And so I want to just take you through a quick journey of the way that the vision for Valley Lights Church grew. And it started when I, I went to go scouting. I went to scouting in a lot of different cities. I made it to Santa Clarita, as I had mentioned in my poem, a place I had never been before. Very first time I went there, I went on a hike in a place called Towsley Canyon. And I carved out the whole day for this hike, but it was within the first 15 minutes of setting foot in this city that God very clearly and forcefully spoke to me that this was the city. And this picture is me on the hike, and I, I still had plenty of experiences to go, but I, I love this picture because it's in my new home, and I'm still wearing my Orange Crest Community Church polo. So this picture is kind of like a crossover moment in my life where I was moving, God was calling me from one place to go to another. So the vision had made it to one person, just me so far. <laughs> so I had to get the vision to six people. So then I brought my family to Santa Clarita and showed them around. Actually, Josh and his family went with us, and we got to experience this. And I could um, cast the vision for, I had, I had five church members, I guess, at that point. <laughs> and uh, so the vision had grown to six well, then our, our sending church blessed us with a launch team. The vision had then grown to about 18 people, if you count the adults and the kids. And these folks moved, they uprooted their lives, their homes, their jobs, houses, and families to go to Santa Clarita with us. So then we started gathering, we started meeting people in the middle of 2020 during pandemic times, and we didn't really have anywhere to go but to start in my backyard. And so when we meet somebody, we'd invite them to these little gatherings that we had, the vision was starting to grow. We picked up a few people. We started meeting in a park locally before we went public, and we'd meet people or do door hangers at events and invite them. So now we've got the vision going to about 30 people and caught the vision for a new church in Santa Clarita. Eventually, we did our public services in a park, did a lot of promotion for that. And um, we have a, actually a photo. This is a photo of when we, were, we had done a baptism outside in the park. You can go to the next one. The vision had grown to about 50 people. And uh, this was on a day that we had baptized two people and lives were being changed. And uh, we kept growing. We, COVID was sort of wrapping up-ish and we, we made it into a, a hotel. And we needed, we needed a new space. It gets really hot in Santa Clarita. So God opened a place for us to be meeting indoors. The vision had grown a little bit more. Every time we moved, God brought more people as a result of that new location that we were in. And actually, a number of times, we, we got help from Seabreeze Church while we were there. You can actually see a few photos of uh, some of the worship teams. There's some worship teams. Um, some folks came to help out in our kids' ministry, help you know, straighten out the chairs and all those things. And there was numerous points along this journey that you guys actually have, have been a very critical help in a needed time. Um, the vision kept growing. We moved to a junior high school, and this was at one of our Christmas services, Again, more people. God brought more people at this time. And then finally, we made it to our current place, which is in a strip mall on Seiko Canyon Road in Santa Clarita. And we're actually going to be moving again back to the junior high in January because it's a more strategic location. So we've moved a lot. 
and God has done a lot through it, and really the vision has grown. We haven't, we haven't like grown like exponentially or explosively, but really it's just been incremental. And, you know, that launch team that moved with us, and some of those people that joined us right at the very beginning, you know, they heard about what we were doing and they want to be a part of it. We all shared this thing in common. We shared in common that we're compelled to see more, to see God change more lives. That's what we're doing. That's what it's all about. That's why we go through all the pains. We're compelled to see God change more lives. And if you take another step in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul, in verse 14, he says, for the love of Christ compels us. That word compel, it's almost as if you pick someone up by the shirt collar and you started forcefully pushing them along and just moving them forward. That, that's, that's kind of like a grip, like a seizing. The love of Christ is what grips us in that way. Paul says, since we have reached this conclusion that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, which in many ways was a good description of my early walk in Christianity, living for, saved but still living for myself. Now he says, he died. He died for me so that I wouldn't live for myself, but that I would live for the one who died for me and was raised. So I had spent a lot of my life guided by my own desires, but when I really began to understand the power and the significance of Jesus' death on the cross and the freedom that it gives, there is so much freedom that comes from his death for us and the hope that comes from his resurrection, knowing where we're headed, man, when I got a grip on that, it put a new kind of motivation for living inside of me. And so I want to show you a video of uh, some of the lives that God has changed since we started Valley Lights. This is um, snippets of three different lives, and uh, at the, there's a few clips of a baptism right at the end of this video. But the first person that you'll listen to on this screen in just a second is a girl who had never actually been to a church before she came to Valley Lights. So her journey with God is brand new, and it's fresh as, a, as a being a part of our church. So check this out. And so at some point, I started, you know, thinking, yeah, I think at some point I'm going to check out this Christianity thing and see how it goes. Uh, I talked to a couple people, like asked about churches, including my cousin who goes to Valley Lights. That's how I ended up at Valley Lights. I, like it just, it became really real. And it was kind of like the weight of sin, like just hit me. And it was it, like, it drew a lot of emotions from me. Before I was pretty much my own compass on how to live life. And now knowing what I know and the importance of putting God first, um, how that just leads to <laughs> better, a better future. When my mom came to Christ and she told me that I, I have to be born again in order to come to Christ, um, I was really trying to understand what that meant. And I was like, you know what, yeah, I want to be baptized. And I didn't feel any qualms about it. I didn't really have any doubts. I think that was a big moment that was like, you know what? I think I am Christian. <laughs> I think Jesus is the boss. When I finally did come to Christ, uh, I felt that's when I felt that excited about getting baptized. So uh, I was excited to um, 
make that a public statement. Uh, very excited to finally, um, you know, commit to Christ in front of all the people that I care about and love. I'm just ready to, you know, um, solidify this next step in my life and uh, stop living in, in the land of having one foot in the door and one foot out. Once I do this, then I know I don't have a now anymore. <laughs>that's pretty exciting. Did you see the Seabreeze cameo in there? The Johnstones family? They actually, they came to Valley Lights on that day. They're like, oh, you're having a baptism. I'm like, well, you made it in the video. So, <laughs> Actually, my son was one of those that got baptized on that day as well. I, I tried to get a video testimony of him, but it didn't, you know, kids don't talk a lot when they're, when they're seven years old. But, um, you know, it's incredible to see new life growing. So the first girl on the screen she, the one who had never been to a church before, um, she's got an amazing voice, and she has started helping us on our worship team, and she sings. Actually, there's a few days, we're actually still trying to find a worship leader, and so there's a few days that kind of threw her in as like, oh, can, can you like lead it today? <laughs> and um, when she sings, it's, it's so meaningful to me, because uh, to have her singing songs about the freedom that she's found in Christ, knowing that it had just happened. And then when she sings, it's, it's a genuine part of her experience. And she's singing a way that other people want to sing as well. It's, it's very powerful. It's moving to me. One of the other girls, um, actually two of the girls were at the conference that you hosted this week, and, which is amazing because, you know, it was one of those like throw them in the deep end kind of thing. I think they're very overwhelmed by the conference that we just walked through. Um, but they got some tools for walking with Christ that they didn't have before. Um, but yeah, Zaray, the one in the middle, she is a part of our discipleship groups right now, learning how to um, read Bible and pray and grow and memorize scripture and, and walk with God in everyday life. She was at a, she was at a, she helped as one of the team leaders at our outreach event that we did this past month. And she invited some of her non-Christian coworkers to come volunteer at the event, and they did. <laughs> and so these these ladies and others are making this shift of no longer living for themselves. It's a shift that takes a lifetime, I suppose, to make. But they're making that shift. One of my favorite conversations that I've had with some of them and other people that are exploring what it means to follow Christ, one of my favorite conversations is the Lordship Pie conversation. And if you don't have a tool like this one, then you probably need to get one similar. But the Lordship Pie is, um, so, so imagine you've got a pie, and you'll probably be having some later this month, I would imagine, right? well, one that might look just like that. And so this pie represents your life, and you've got different slices in your life. And so we kind of think about the different zones of responsibility. We've got um, the marriage is a big focus. That's a big chunk. I've got what I do for work. It takes a lot of time and energy and mental focus. I've got other parts, what I do for fun. I've got how I handle my money. I've got all these different things, my, my work and my words and my emotions. 
And, and when people are beginning to consider what it would mean to follow Jesus or to be more in God's environments, they think, well, I just need it. I'll, I'll make a God slice. And so they'll carve out a slice, and this is my God or church or maybe even Jesus slice. And I would say a lot of Christians in America who think they're Christians that might actually not be Christians see their Christianity that way. And the problem with that kind of Christianity, which it can't even be called that, is that Jesus doesn't want a slice. He wants the whole pie. So for someone to truly submit to Christ, here's, and I tell people, that means, what this means is if you want to follow Jesus, it means that the way that you handle your marriage, you have to do it his way. The way that you treat your spouse and talk to them, you've got to bring your life in alignment with what he says. Or what you pick for work, or the way that you talk to your boss, or think about your coworkers, the way you handle that, or your emotions, or your future plans, the way that you're making decisions. All of that has to come under the lordship and the direction of our new commander, of Jesus. Because the Bible has a lot to say about all of those big areas. And to be a Christian doesn't mean I'm doing it all perfectly, but it means I've, I've made a decision if I've learned that he says something about this, I'm going to do everything I can to bring myself in alignment with his ways. And so that's, I, in my mind, a, a more complete understanding of Romans 10.9 that says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And that word Lord is kind of what I just described. Lord, he's, Lord means boss. He's in charge of it all. There is no zone that he is not in charge of. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This verse does not mean it's just enough to just say the words verbally. There has to be an alignment with what I'm saying. I am declaring he's my Lord, but there's an intent of my will that lines up with my heart as well, that I am. He is now my Lord. And so I had this conversation with one guy we were driving, and we are driving back from a church event, and we... I asked him, I was like, well, so is there, is there any slice of your life that you're resistant to have Jesus be in charge of? And actually, by the way, that might be a good question for you as well. Like, if you think about it, are there any slices? Are there any slices in your life that you don't want him to be in charge of? And he said, he's like, no, not really. But there was one I was thinking about that I saw in him. I was like, really? Is there no, are there no slices in your life? And he said, well, there's this one thing. He's like, my girlfriend and I live together, and I know that's technically not allowed. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> it's not. And um, we talked some more, and I, and I said, basically, if anybody says, I want, um, I know what God says about this area, but I'm still going to do it my way which is what he said about this. I know what God says about relationships and purity, but I'm going to do it. I still am going to do it my way for now. And I said, well, if, you, if that's you, that, all that, that's normal, first of all, but it just means you haven't actually fully submitted your life to Christ as Lord. So do you want to get to the judgment seat of Christ and have to tell Jesus, I was mostly there, but I didn't quite all the way make you my Lord. We talked about that some more. There's a lot of tension in the car <laughs> in this conversation. And uh, he was like, oh, going like this. And um, 
you know what? There was a lot of people investing in this couple at, at Valley Lights. And so they could, they, first of all, they knew that we really loved them. And they could actually see the way that God's ways was making a very big difference in the community. So there was some trust there. A few weeks later, I got a photo of the couple, and the girl had an engagement ring on her hand, and they're both beaming in the photo because he decided, we, we talked a little bit more, but basically he decided, you know what? I do. I do want Jesus to be the Lord of my whole life. And it, he, he would have already said before, he would have said, I'm a Christian. But now he said, it's when I proposed, because that was the day I decided to bring it all into alignment with what God has said. Of course, he's not living perfect, no, neither am I, but there was a decision of the will that he wanted Jesus to be Lord. So they got married this summer, which was the first wedding that we've had at Valley Lights, which was just so exciting. And then you can actually see a photo. They got, both of them got baptized at our most recent baptism. Um, so they, they, they both have committed to Christ as a, as a result of being here. And at his baptism, he publicly declared how he became a Christian. And when people get dunked under the water, at least at our church, we, we have them make a confession over the microphone in front of everybody. And they have to say, Jesus is my Lord and the Bible is my guide. And he could say that wholeheartedly. He could say that, and I knew his life was backed up at that point. So these, these two, they, they carry responsibility at our church, and they're learning how to do evangelism. They're also a part of those discipleship groups. And I think it's just amazing that God uses people like me and people like you to help other people to find Jesus. Because God could do all the work all on his own, God didn't need me to have that conversation with that guy. God is perfectly powerful enough to lead people to salvation on his own. But for some reason, he's carved out a very critical role for us, intentionally selected a role for us to play. God has entrusted us with the message that changes his lives. And if you really think about it, that's a pretty big part of the process, like, God does the saving, but he's given us the message. Are you sure, God, that you want to entrust us with the message? Like, there's some critical information that a person needs to know, and you want me to be responsible for that. Yikes. That's crazy. Well, look again in 2 Corinthians, in verse 17, Paul says, listen, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. And you just saw some new creations on the screen. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ, and he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's given that to us. Verse 19, it says, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That really was my plea with that guy and others that I've talked with over the years, be reconciled. So in this verse, when it says that God has committed the message to us, that word committed, it also can be translated entrusted or that he's appointed, or that he's put in place. It's almost like we're sitting at a table with God, 
he writes out this job description, and this is the message of reconciliation is for you to take out. And he writes it on paper, and he slides it across the table. It's yours now. This is your job description. Sometimes you don't want to take the paper off the table and accept that. You're like, oh, I don't know if I want to accept. But it's our job. It's what we do. And that's why it's really important to have a very clear presentation of the gospel memorized and ready to go. One of my favorite gospel presentations that I use is what I call the BA. It's an acronym, B, and then four A's behind it, B-A-A-A. I won't walk through the whole thing, but just briefly, what I say, what I tell people is, um, if they're interested in hearing, you know, the Bible has a definition of what it means to be a Christian. A lot of people have a definition of what it means, and not everybody agrees with what it really means to be a Christian, but the Bible's got its own definition. And first of all, a Christian is someone that believes that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and rose again. It's from 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. A Christian also admits that they're a sinner, Romans 3, 23. A Christian is someone who agrees to turn away from their sin and to turn to God, Acts 20, 24. A Christian also acknowledges Jesus as the Lord. And sometimes I just use the word boss. I acknowledge him as, my, as the boss of my life, Romans 10, 9. And a Christian also accepts God's free gift of eternal life, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. So when I'm sharing, I have this memorized. I also have all those verses memorized. And so that I can share this, actually the Lordship pie, I've got memorized. And so I've written this ba or the pie on napkins or pieces of paper. Or if I have my Bible with me, my favorite is to actually walk through with somebody and just go to these verses and just show them, let them read it, because it's pretty amazing. I've seen people's eyes just like illuminate when they read these verses straight out of the Bible. And hopefully, hopefully I'm always ready, always ready to go, because we have the message of reconciliation with us. It is the message that so many people are desperately needing. We actually had another baptism in September, and we were able to baptize two, two people, our neighbors. There's a couple who lives across the street from us, and before the baptism, um, the girl, she was sitting on the couch with Aaron, and they were talking about spiritual things, and, and we got into the conversation about her Catholic background, and so we were, we were talking, and we were saying, listen, it doesn't matter how good you are or how bad you've been or how bad you're going to be. <laughs> Our salvation comes through faith in Jesus alone. And we talked, we had a long conversation, and um, it wasn't until we went to the book of Galatians, and she actually had her read a verse directly out of the Bible, and it, and it clicked. Suddenly, it, her eyes opened up. I could actually, I didn't see it. It wasn't like a physical thing, but there was almost like a spiritual opening, a brightness that happened. And she said, I can't believe Jesus died for me. I was like, I think you got it now. <laughs> That's it. And um, so, she, so it clicked, and she realized, no, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what I do. And so her husband came over. He was just across the street. He had put the kids down. But we, we, we prayed together, and we're all celebrating and hugging and high-fiving. And she said, you need to tell people this. I was like, that's what we've been doing every week since we got here. I was like, you've sat in the messages that I've, I've said this already. So well, that's, that's what we're doing. That really is, we have the message, and we're trying to get it out there. That's really not just been my mission, but it's been the focus of our launch team as well, 
the people that signed on to join us know, knew that that was the mission. And recently, we, we were at a, an Antioch Project meeting. It's a ministry training program. And um, they invited the launch team to come share their insights over the past two years because they made a two-year commitment. That commitment wrapped up. And so students got to act, like students that might prospectively be launch team in the future got to ask, what was it like? And as the, my team was sitting there and I was hearing them share, I thought, there's not a single person on this team who is the same as they were when they were at OCC. Everybody's different. They're completely different people. Their faith is so much deeper. Their willingness to, to sacrifice for the mission has been changed. And so it's actually not the, it's not only the life change of that first big yes to Jesus, but there's, there's major values and perspectives that have changed really as we revolve around the goal of advancing the mission. Every Christian has more life change yet to go. And when we step out in faith, if you step out in faith, you can be a part of changing someone's eternity. It's so exciting. It's so exciting to know that that's happening. In Seabreeze Church, you all here, you are woven into the story of Valley Lights. You're woven into the stories of these changed lives. These people have had their, the, the direction of their eternity changed. You're a part of that. You've been, Seabreeze has, like I said, has sent teams. You've sent money. I've been very encouraged. You've sent prayer and help at timely moments for us. Um, you really have been one of the core supporters of Valley Lights. And so since you attend here, and since you give here, since you grow here, you're learning to walk with God in a deeper level here, you get some of the credit for the life change at Valley Lights. I'm, I'm so glad that you get to share some of the credit for that. And I've been wanting to tell you that in person because we've been receiving so much help. And so I'm glad for this opportunity to be here with you, to, to tell you in person, thank you. Very grateful for the help and the support. I've, we've need, we have needed it. We have needed the support. And if I had to guess, if I, if I thought a little bit further, I, I might guess that there might be some people here that in some ways you might still be living for yourself a little bit, though. Maybe in some areas of your life, maybe there's, maybe there's an aspect of comfort and convenience that holds you back from taking another step. Maybe you're resisting making a bigger sacrifice for the kingdom. Perhaps it's time that you raise the stakes a little bit. 2 Corinthians 5.15, what we've been looking at all morning, it says, Jesus died for you so that you would no longer live for yourself. We've got to make it our aim to be pleasing to him. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each will be repaid for what he has done while our time is in the body, whether good or evil. So there's maybe a few steps. I'm just going to wrap it up. There's a few next steps that you might be able to take. I think everyone in the room might be able to take at least one of these next steps. The first one would be to cross the line of faith. Maybe you're ready to give the whole pie to Jesus. That guy in the car, it's like he gave the whole pie, but he took a slice out before he <laughs> gave the pie. Maybe, maybe you want to give the whole entire pie to Jesus and let him be the commander of your life. Maybe the next step for you might be to praise God for changing my life 
maybe he has made you a new creation. And your next step is just to praise him and just thank you so much, Lord, for what you've done. If that's your next step, you might need to do the next next step, and that is to share the message, which is a big focus for Seabreeze, it sounds like, this year, which is a really exciting one. A hundred people, hopefully a hundred times the message of reconciliation is shared with people in your lives. A question I, you might ask yourself is, is there anyone walking with God right now because of me? Really because of Jesus, but because is there somebody that's walking with God, moving on and then growing because I was a part of sharing the message? And I don't ask that question out of guilt, because you can ask that question, guilt, is there anybody, did you do anything with your spiritual life? No, really out of a vision, like, don't you want that? Don't you want to see people's lives change and for you to be teeming with God? Another next step might be to invest more of yourself into Seabreeze. And if you're visiting from another church today, your home church, what might God do through you if you made a deeper commitment? Maybe if you invest yourself a little more deeply, you'll play a key role in strengthening this church over the next year. Or maybe you'll help Seabreeze plant new churches in the future. Maybe Seabreeze will reproduce and you'll get to be a part of that in some way. We are, after all, part of a church planting network. The 17-6 network has reproduced and multiplied in many ways. And then another next step, this might be more of a long-term step, but maybe your step is to help start new churches. Maybe you would go on a team someday. Maybe you'd be part of a launch team. All those guys on my team, they're just normal people. They're like a security salesman, a teacher, a stay-at-home mom, just normal people that have made a phenomenally huge impact. Or maybe, just maybe, this is only for a few of you, potentially, but maybe God would call some of you men to be pastors, church planters. I can only say that because I was the least likely candidate for becoming a church planter. When I first joined OCC, and you know, the one I turned down like the, that really simple prayer ministry opportunity, when I first met Josh, my pastor, I had very little ambition or clarity for my life direction at all. Forget like ministry, just life. And when I met Josh, I told him, I was like, oh yeah, I graduated from a small Bible college in LA County. He said, oh, Bible college, oh, maybe we've got some ministry potential here. And I said, I don't know what I want to do with my life, which I really meant that. And I don't know what I want to do, but I just, I know for sure I don't want to be a pastor. <laughs> and I meant that too. <laughs> and uh, Josh was like, yeah, I think I agree. <laughs> and he nor I had any idea what God would do over the next 13 years of training and development and life change. Praise God that he is the one that works the life change. I wish I could walk through a whole slideshow of all the lives that have been changed at Valley Lights. That would take too long. And anyway, it would be far more exciting for you to embark on your own journey of being a part of what God is doing to change many lives eternally. God wants to use you. Will you join him in his work in the world? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for allowing us to play a part in your kingdom advancement. There's really nothing we bring to the table, all the good in our lives that comes from you, and I'm so grateful. Thank you for 
incredible partnership that's come from Seabreeze Church and Valley Lights Church in the way that you use, you actually use our efforts together in a way that we wouldn't be able to do alone. Thank you for the lives that have changed here. And I pray, Lord, that you keep growing us in as we take steps of deeper commitment and sacrifice to follow you. Help us to do that thing of no longer living for ourselves. Help us to identify the area where we're holding back and step forward in faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Thanks for listening to the Seabreeze Church Podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, seabreezechurch.com. Thanks again for listening in, and we hope you'll join us next week for the Seabreeze Church Podcast.